Good evening. Isn't the, isn't the human voice just awesome? That God gave us the ability to, to sing and we hear the different harmonies like we did on Near Still Near. And God has blessed us with, with a part of worship. Then I believe all parts of worship we're all to be engaged in, but where we can hear one another and learn from one another, and, and be lifted up by one another. I'm thankful for Philip for doing a wonderful job at choosing songs, and tonight for us singing out together. As we begin, uh, could we go to God in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, you are amazing, and you bless us in every way, Lord, and we thank you for our singing tonight, and we pray that we are truly nearer to you each day. And Lord, we pray that you'll be in our presence tonight as you have promised, and that through tonight we may grow closer to you, we may see what you would love us to do in, in order to, be, to fulfill your will here on earth and how we can grow uh, even more uh, in love with you and make an even bigger difference on this world. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Tonight, I want to start with a big, uh, I guess, theological question. Theology is sort of what our view of who God is. It's the study of God, and it's something that sometimes there are some deep questions that come with that. If we all open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, and we'll look at this question. Acts chapter 20. On the first day of the week, verse 7, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight, and there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep, and Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him and taken him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And he, they took the youth away alive, and they were not a little comforted. In other words, they were comforted greatly. Let's uh, go through this uh, deep question, all right? Uh, why did Eutychus fall asleep? All right, we're going to have to get deep for this. You know, you know, why did he fall asleep? Y'all need to start elbowing one another, okay? You won't know, be Eutychus tonight, okay? Why did he fall asleep? Number one, uh, it was late. My wife's looking at me like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> you know, what does that have to do with anything? Bear with me, okay? It was late at night. He said he preached uh, past midnight. It was a late night, of course. Uh, he, he, it was late at night. Secondly, it said there were many lamps. Now, in other words, it was hot. Y'all know that. When a room is warm, it's easier to fall asleep in. I've learned that in many of our Sunday school classes. Uh, the, 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 there's a lot of people packed in there, and it gets really warm really quickly. We've got room for more, but just know that there's something that makes it easy to, to go to sleep. Secondly, uh, there were many people in there. So not only were there a lot of lamps, there's a lot of 98.6s in there. And, and, and as you add that up, you, you, it's something that you see. And, and also, evidently, it was a long sermon. Paul spoke, that's where y'all go, y'all go, that's it. Can I tell you why he fell asleep? Because he's tired. Sometimes we try to get too deep, don't you agree? Sometimes we overlook the obvious. The reason he went to sleep is because he was tired. He said a young man 
named Eutychus, sitting in the window, fell into a deep sleep. I love that it says that sank into a deep sleep, and some of your versions say that it overcame, sleep overcame him. That means he fought it, bless his heart. Sleep overcame him. It was a war. It was all-out battle. Do you know I see y'all fighting that battle, and thank you for fighting? I know that's something that happens from time to time. You're not the first one to struggle. You're not the first one to struggle sleeping during a sermon. Again, this song said, anywhere with Jesus I can go to sleep. That's the most true verse in this entire song. I've seen you do it, okay? Maybe saying, what in the world are you talking about, Craig? Well, I'm going to ask you something. How many of y'all tonight are tired? Anybody here tired? I think if you ask most people, uh, what are you or how are you doing? Besides the word fine, which doesn't mean anything, it means I'd rather not talk about it. All right, it doesn't actually mean I'm okay. It, it means I'd rather not talk about it. Or okay doesn't mean great. Uh, the word tired probably comes up more than anything else. I, I love this picture here. Little dude's awake and everybody else is... Why? Because he kept them awake. You will see that. We've been told this, that we'll never get to sleep in again once the baby's born. It's interesting horror stories that you get about children as you're getting ready to have your own. Even if your children are already gone. You've raised them and they've moved on. Many of you have a to-do list or maybe you have young children or teenage children and you feel like you've got to be somewhere all the time. And maybe I love this. I'm so busy I don't know whether I found a rope or lost my horse. You may be there. You're trying to say, I'm just tired. I'm forgetful. All these things run together. You may feel like you're behind in a race against Usain Bolt and you will never, ever, ever catch up. Exhaustion is real. Exhaustion is something, and being tired is something that, that happens. And what happens is we get really busy, and we feel like, you know, well, we can't stop now. We've got to keep going to the point that we, 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 we get beat down by this to the point that finally we burn out. Exhaustion and being tired is real. And tonight, I want to look at what does the Bible say about it. What does the Bible say about exhaustion? What does the Bible say about busyness? I want us to listen to God tonight, and we're going to read the same thing this week that we did uh, uh, I believe two weeks ago, last week we, we took a week off for the sanctity of life, but I want us to read the 23rd Psalm together, and I'll, I'll start. Let's read. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know about you, I usually feel better after I read that. There's something comforting about knowing the shepherd and, 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 and wanting his presence and wanting him to guide and to lead us. To be able to say the Lord is your shepherd is a beautiful statement. It is a powerful statement. It is a statement of relationship where you believe God to be and where you choose to be. Tonight's lesson, very similar to two weeks ago, is much easier said than done. When it comes to how do you deal with being busy and how do you de deal with being tired. 
couple of weeks ago, we talked about how is our heart at peace, and, and the thing is we're dealing with stress, and how do we have stress, or, or how do we deal with our stress and keep a heart that is, that is still strong and close to God during the middle of it? And we said, does a peaceful heart come from an unstressed life? And we said, no, that's not the case. I went through several characteristics of David, and he went through his life, and it was amazing how many people didn't know I was talking about David till the end. When I went through and said, can you imagine being someone who is ridiculed by your family? You have a very stressful job that you uh, have had people attempt to murder you. You've had loss of friendship. You have had a death of a close friend. You have had a great moral failure, not just one, but several. You have a troubled marriage. Again, you've had more moral fa failures. You have a private sin that you have tried to keep quiet from other people. You've lost a child. You have rebellious children. Your daughter has been assaulted. You have a, a, lose another child. You've been threatened, and you spend your life hiding in caves on the run. I added the hiding in caves on the run tonight. That sort of gives it a little bit more of who David was. But I had people come up to me afterwards and say, I thought you were describing my life. I thought you were hitting some things that I'm dealing with, whether it's a moral failure, private sin, loss of a child, a, a, a stressful job, whatever that is. I don't know, but it's still amazing that the one who wrote that could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. And, and he could talk about a tranquil heart, it is something that gives life to the flesh. He could talk about that and be someone who is at peace and know that his God is enough because God is there. How do we deal with the worry and all the things we trust him to meet our needs? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Say tonight, how do we keep our heart at peace when it comes to being in a hurry? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you have felt rushed to be here tonight? How many of you are like, hey, we've got to go, we've got to get there? And, and how many of you feel like you're always rushed to get somewhere else? How do we deal with hurry? Well, we need to obey God's instruction on rest. Again, as we said before, it may feel that you, you feel like you're in a life where you can't catch up where so many things are going on and, and you feel like you're in this constant run and constant race and there's no way to ever get ahead. I don't know if you've ever been on a treadmill, but I tell people if you want a moment to last forever, get on a treadmill. Because I'll tell you, one minute takes a long, long, long time. It is something you can feel like you have walked a mile and a half. You look down, you've walked three minutes and 40 seconds. And you're like, what in the world is going on? Guys, bring me back up, please. Tim's up there messing with stuff. Quit messing with my stuff, Tim. I'm trying to preach a sermon. <laughs> Education minister don't understand that. I'm trying to preach. <laughs> now I'm going to thank you very much. <laughs> wow, talking about stressed. Well, great. <laughs> I'll just start over. I'm just kidding. How many unread emails do you have? On this picture right here, there's 10,000 and something. Whoever's phone this would be. This was mine a few years ago. 10,000 unread emails. 
How many of you have under, some of y'all are like, nope, I clean my box out every day. Some of you do that. Some do not. Some have got on every email spam list and somehow you can't get them out and it just comes one after the other to the point even thinking about it wears you out. And you're like, well, I guess I could stay up every night for the next six weeks and, and, and get rid of these one by one and answer these. Or sometimes, it's like, or you can just say, this is just going to keep adding up on me. Some of you know the, the feeling of staying up all night to get a paper done. In college, this was me. I'm going to be real honest with you. Um, we had to do a, a um, I was in a class called Critical Introduction to the New Testament, taught by Dow Flat. It's the most challenging class, undergrad or grad school, I've ever had in my life. And if you uh, made less than a C in there, uh, you got to take it again. And I was very concerned about taking it again. At the end of the semester, I, I, I had a, uh, my subject for my paper was who wrote Hebrews. And somebody else had the exact same topic. And so they went to the library on day one and checked out every resource. And what they did was they, they took all of spring break. They said they treated it like a job and worked 40 hours on their paper. And what they do? The day that the paper was due, they turned all the resources back in. I met them at the library. I took all of them back to my room and stayed up 24 hours and finished a 15-page paper on the authorship of Hebrews. It was not my best work. It was better than the guy that spent 40 hours on it. That's a funny story. Um, I don't know what he was doing those 40 hours. Um, he, should, he spent too much time. Um, but I'll tell you, Staying up all night long didn't catch me up. I, I, I wasn't, uh, as I say, I wasn't worth killing for several days. Why? Because being tired and being busy are something we deal with. And, and you look and you say, you know what, I, I realize staying up late is a bad idea every morning. And, and we go through this life exhausted. Do you realize there is a connectivity by how little we sleep and mental health? Those are connected. Not just mental health, and it is things that deal with physical health. People who don't sleep as much are more irritable. You know that. You know that when you're tired, you're irritable. You know that when you're tired, it's something it can, it can deal with some cognitive issues in your brain, can deal with how your heart functions, all these different stuff. If the less you sleep, the more likely you are to have diabetes. You're going, how in the world does that happen? I don't know. It also, I love this, sleep deprivation is illegal an illegal torture method outlawed by the Geneva Convention and international courts, but most of us do it to ourselves. If you are captured by a foreign government and you are guilty of some crime and they are under the Geneva Convention, guess what? They can't deprive you of sleep. That is seen as going too far. And we do it to ourselves. And youth ministers do it for fun and call it lock-ins. Okay, it's interesting. When you are well-rested, I promise you we're going to get to some Bible stuff in a second. When you are well-rested, it's funny, sleep improves your memory and attention. Hormone regulation restores, resets, repairs, regenerates. Uh, I think a preacher may have wrote this. There's a lot of R's. Regenerizes the body, re-energizes the body. Weight loss, decision-making, mental clarity. Attitude and demeanor, it boosts your immune system. All that comes from getting enough rest. I wonder if that's why God told us we needed it. 
that God knew that. It's sort of funny that God could have created us not to need sleep. Let that sit in for a minute. When we're creating His image, guess what? He created us to need sleep. He could have said, okay, I'm going to create beings who never have to sleep. Since He's the Creator, He created us with that need. It is estimated if you go to buy a mattress, you realize they cost a lot of money. And what's the excuse for spending a lot of money on a mattress? Because you're going to spend a third of your life in bed. That's what people tell you. That you're going to sleep there. Why? Because God created us with a need for sleep, and God wants us to know the importance of rest. This morning we went through the six days of creation. The seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested. Why would God need to rest? Genesis 2.2, why would God need to rest? And, and, and he is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent, omnipresent God. Why would he need to rest? Because of those previous things. What is God doing? God is modeling rest for us. If God needs rest and God chooses to rest, what's he doing? If we're creating his image, we should be people who do the same. God is setting a precedent for rest among his people. And we see that with the Ten Commandments. Isn't it amazing? You go through, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. That, that you go through, and thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, they, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not covet. And in the middle of that, you get what? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, which was a day of what? Rest. Out of God's top ten rules, top ten things he wanted his people to do, is rest. Can you imagine that that's in that list? It's in the same list as not having any other guys before me. Not taking the Lord's name in vain. Resting is in that same list. Mark 2.27, he said, why? Uh, you go through, it says, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God knew men need to rest. He created a day specifically for that. See, when we look through the Old Testament, we see here, but let the seventh year be a Sabbath of rest for the land. A Sabbath to the Lord. Do not put seed in your land or have your vines cut. What did he say? Even dirt needs rest. Every seven years, you're, you, you let land rest. If land needs to rest, and people who farm know this, that's why they, they go different crops year to year, because certain things pull things out of the ground. Your ground will be better if you can let it rest every so many years. And the Bible says every seventh year, we're going to allow it to rest. God knows that His creation needs to rest. Let me ask you, how are you doing on this? How are you doing when it comes to resting? More than likely, since we live in the U.S., not really good. Probably not doing really good at this because um, we're not a culture that's built on rest. If you have a job, it's not built on rest. And uh, a little bit of research showed this. At least 134 countries have laws setting a maximum length of, of the work week. The U.S. does not. We'll let you work yourself to death here, literally. As my dad talks about preachers, he goes, they'll work a good meal to death. Thanks, Pop. I appreciate it. Um, we don't have any limits. 
saying you shouldn't work someone over this amount of time. My, my wonderful mom has worked 80 to 100 hours a week as long as I can remember. She's going to retire uh, in another couple months, and I'm, I'm thankful she's going to do that. I don't know what she's going to do with all this newfound time because there's no limit. Her company will let her work and work and work and work and work. And when it comes to turning in your resignation, going to do this, you know what? They'll find somebody else to do your job. They're not going to hold any special things going, wow, they may give you something for your hard work, but they're going to go on and do this. In our country, 85% of all males and 66.5% all females work more than 40 hours a week. According to this is the labor organization, Americans work 137 more hours per year than Japanese workers or 260 more hours a year than British workers and 499 more years uh, more, more hours a year more than French workers. Some of you are going, we need to move. I think it's funny, back in the 1930s, an economist, what he said was that American workers in the next 50 years, their work week should be about 15 hours a week. Because they'll be able, with all the machinery that's coming out, all the different technologies, they'll be able to do in 15 hours what it takes them 40 hours to do now. And what do we do? We just decided we'd crank up the, the production. The U.S. remains the only industrialized country in the work that has no legally mandated leave each year. They don't say, hey, you know what? It is good for you to go do this, to take a break. Every country, including except Canada and Japan, they, they say, all right, that you get 13 paid days all for a year. That's not sick days. 20 paid vacation days. In France and Finland, they get 30 days off a year. What am I saying? And you go through, and, and also in most of the other countries, the, 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 the dad and the mom both get paid uh, parental leave for 12 weeks. What I'm saying is, I know in this group, we are some busy and tired people. People who are working all the time, and that is something that we will allow to dominate our lives, and we will let that take over. Should we be lazy? There's a long way from being lazy to, to being a workaholic. There's a lot of space in between those things. Isn't it interesting? It says, the Lord does what? He makes me lie down. God made a king of a country lie down and rest. I don't know what all responsibilities David had, but I think they're pretty great. Would you think so? Running a country, that, that would seem like a pretty great responsibility, yes. He makes me lie down. Somebody says, sick and, are you tired of being sick and tired? What probably happens is you're tired than sick. That those go together. I feel bad. I don't know why God chose to talk about sheep all the way through the Bible, and now so many sermons focus on how dumb sheep are. Then you realize sheep get to go to heaven. It's a weird, uh, a, a weird thing when He compares the ones who are uh, faithful to Him as sheep versus goats. But what they say is sheep will eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. They, it's not about being full. They will continue eating. 
and they will not stop until the shepherd goes and makes them stop and lies them down. If not, they will just stand up and continue to eat and eat and eat. A shepherd has to come and make them to lie down. Exodus 24, 21 says, Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. What does he say? I don't care if it's your busiest time of year, you better rest. See, um, I know we have some accountants in the room. I don't know if they if they're do taxes, but I'm going to tell you, many accountants I know that through uh, March and April, they work nonstop. That's their busy time. You talk to a farmer, there's not a non-busy time. But one of the busiest times for a row cropper would be what? When it's time to do harvest. God says, I want you to look at this. On the seventh day, it doesn't matter if it's plowing time, when you've got to plant the food that you're going to need, or when it's harvesting time, when you need to get it back, when you need to take that which you've planted back up, you need to rest even at your busiest times. Do not forsake that. Probably a verse that is, just blows me away is, is Exodus 31, 15. It says, for six days, work may be done, but on the seventh day, there's a Sabbath of complete rest. You see that word? Complete. Holy is the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. That escalated quickly. Do you realize that God equated working on the Sabbath with being rebellious to him? You go through and look at the sins through the, the Old Testament and through looking through the Torah and the ones that led to death. It's amazing that this is one that he says, if you do this, this is the punishment for it. In other words, rest is a big deal to God. Overtime is something that I know that time people choose to work because they make a lot of money. In uh, West Kentucky, uh, in Calvert City, there's 16 or 17 chemical plants that are on the lake there. And the guys are hourly, and uh, when it comes to overtime, if there's time available, you can just take it. There were two guys at one of the plants. This was a story told to me by one of our good people at the Calvert Church. said, there's two guys who took every bit of overtime they could. They competed one year to see how much more they could work because they got time and a half, and then they would go to double time once they hit so many hours. And they were just trying to work as much as they could. And within retirement, both of them died within a year. It's a good thing they had all that money, though, right? You know, they, they would go on and on and on, and, and that was something that happened. And, and, and the, the, the man who told me this, he said, this is a retirement. This is a reminder for me that my life is not this. My life is in Christ. My life is not my, my work and, and, and that I want to have a life with my family. Here's why rest is important. Three, three quick reasons. I need rest so I can, number one, so I can rest my body. You need to, you need to rest, not just when I'm speaking, but you need to rest. Your body needs rest. God made your body to need rest. It is something that, that allows, it allows your body to rejuvenate. Some of you have had sports injuries, and what does the doctor tell you to do first thing? Rest. Rest it. You ever heard, hey, doc, it hurts when I do that? Then what? Then don't do that. 
rested. I need to rest so I can refocus my spirit. I think part of resting is worship. I know worship is something that is active. But what rest helps me to do is to go back and acknowledge God. To see that God is the center of the universe, not that work is the center of the universe, or to see that my schedule is the center of the universe, or making sure that I keep this schedule where I'm going everywhere else is the center. When I sit back and I can rest and I can worship and focus on God, it helps me to see God and to put everything in perspective. I don't know if you have a daily quiet time or not. Some of you are going, where do I find time? You'll never find time for anything. You have to make time. You make time for what's important. And to me, this is one of the hardest things because even as a preacher, I get busy. And it's one thing to study for a sermon. It's another thing to say, all right, God, this is where I'm going to focus on you. And I'm going to spend time reading your word. And I'm going to spend time time in prayer to you. I may spend time singing to you. I'm going to do some things to worship you because when I do that, it resets everything in my life. It is putting me back. Basically, it's taking a compass and going, all right, where's north again? All right, God's right there. I can start again. It's something that blesses us. It refocuses our spirit as we work on the spiritual side of who we are and we look at who God is. Thirdly, it helps us to recharge our emotions. Many of us know when we get tired, it is easy to be a lot more emotional. You ever seen a child that's just crying? You've seen that. What do we say sometimes? They're just exhausted. You know, a good night's sleep and they will be a different person tomorrow. Y'all have seen that over and over again. Can I tell you, it's not just kids. It's not just children. God knows that, that it's, it's interesting that what it does, God telling us to rest, it affects us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. It affects all of who we are, and God knows that. Some of us have guilt because we feel like, hey, Craig, we've got to do so much. There's so much to do here in this world, and God wants us to do this, and, and all this stuff, there's people lost, there's all this stuff going on. I, I want you to understand something. One, God doesn't expect everybody to do everything on earth. He expects everybody to do something. Do you know everybody can't do everything? Not everybody's equipped to do everything. See, if we look at the life of Jesus, there's times that people were lined up to be healed, and Jesus said, i got to go to the next town and preach. You're saying, well, he was still working. Well, that's not all we're going to see and because he chose rest. Look what he said in Mark 6, 31 to his disciples. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure time even to eat. Were people needing something? Yes. And what did Jesus try to teach his disciples? you still got to rest. You've got to rest. It's important. Preacher tells a story about a, one of his members called him, and this preacher took off on Mondays. That was his scheduled day off. And uh, the preacher didn't answer his phone, and, and on Tuesday... 
he returned the guy's call and the guy just lit him up. He said, why didn't you answer my call yesterday? He said, well, I was off yesterday. I was spending time with my family yesterday. And he said, a preacher doesn't have a right to be off. He goes, the devil never takes a day off. You don't have a right to take off. He said, well, if I didn't take off any days, I'd probably act just like him. And so that was his thought. I'm going to tell you, you know when you're real vulnerable to the devil? When you're exhausted. Many of us will say things we never would have said. We'll engage in things we never would have engaged in. We'll do things that we never would have done had we been rested. It's amazing what a difference that makes. See, the, the cure for hurry and, and worry is to, to rest and to look to God, to know the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in, in need. I shall not want. God is giving us what we need. And secondly, to know that he makes us lie down and for us to follow him when it comes to rest. Tonight is the Lord your shepherd. I'm going to say something that's funny to me. I probably preached longer tonight preaching about rest than I've preached about anything else. But at least you were sitting for it, so I hope that was good. But it's a real, a real thing that we have to be conscious of. That we need to realize that, that God wants us to make a difference in this world, and God knows for us to do that, we need to at times have rest. He's not telling us to be a sluggard. He's telling us to rest and come back recharged and do what? Make a difference for Him tonight. Can we pray for you? Tonight, we, can we, as a church family, pray for you? Tonight, is that something we can do? Or secondly, uh, tonight, would you want to become a Christian? Because you may be exhausted, and I love one of the, 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 the comments of Jesus, all who are weary and heavy laden come to me and what? And I'll give you rest. True rest is in Him. And if we can help you with this, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?